Christmas cakes at work for the farm shop. Baron in Doncaster, by the way, you show tuned in to All Fruits Ripe podcast, a discussion about the environment. This is series one, episode nine, and we're tuned in with Laurence Vallier from Canada, Montreal. She says that her sculptures question and reflect the views of the environment and the world around us. She is a cardboard artist and all of her work is about animals. If you're enjoying our podcasts, please help us share far and wide. Tune in to us on iTunes, Spotify, or Mixcloud, and then follow the All Fruits Right podcast Instagram. You right, Ads? You right, Louis? You right, Loras? Yeah, hi. Guess where we are? We're in the Lion Room. The Lion Room at Unit 137. This is All Fruits Right. We're back again. How's things, Adam? I'm good. This is our ninth episode, I believe. Yeah, gosh, they fly by, huh? Yeah. Laurence is in London. Hang on, wait a second. Let's rewind a second. We didn't introduce Laurence properly. Laurence is an artist from Canada and she makes humongous, sometimes, sometimes small, sculptures made out of cardboard. Yep. Tell us about them, Laurence. Well, um, I live in Montreal. Yeah. And yeah, I make sculptures out of cardboard. That's, uh, that's my trait. That's my craft. And that's why I'm in London, too. And what's going on in London? Well, there's a show called the Moniker Art Fair and I made an installation for them. So I just finished, like, yesterday. So okay. now I can record this. And so your sculptures, what are they? Tell us. So they're mainly animal sculptures. Actually, they're entirely animals of sculpture. Um, that's what I like making. They're humongous, because cardboard allows me to do that. It's everywhere. It's cheap. My favorite theme is the apes, gorillas. They're very human. That's why I make them... And, um, yeah, I guess we should get into our first track, really. Just trying to remember what the name of the track was we chose. We chose the uh, Mr. The, the Electric Light Orchestra, which is Mr. Blue Sky, right? Yep. Yeah. Why did you choose that track, then? Well, because when you asked me to pick music, that was what I was listening in that moment. Okay. And I've been listening to it, like, constantly since I'm in London. So it's, right. like, really the now song. For, it's like the theme of this trip for me. Okay. Because they're from London as well, aren't they? They're a London band, I understand. Are they? Yeah. You didn't know that? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read that they were. Do you know much about this band, Ads? No. I don't. I have. To, I mean, I know the track. I've heard it. Yeah, I've definitely the heard track's The track's great. Yeah. Well, it's definitely got like a sort of... I could almost imagine your monkeys swinging along to it. Like they kind of exactly yeah. i think it put me in a good mood i heard it in the plane coming over and i was like yeah. oh that's good i forgot that song that's awesome and then i just like got into this and all like the hits from the 70s and it really kind of started the theme the musical theme of my london trip should we get into it then yeah let's do it Please tell us why you had to 
Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so long. So long. Where did we go wrong? that this song was apparently played as a wake-up call to the astronaut Christopher Ferguson, not that I know much about Christopher Ferguson, on day three of STS-135, the final mission of Space Shuttle Atlantis. Great did that, fact. Did that wake you guys up? Yeah. We're awake. Yeah. If I was going in space, I'd definitely listen to that track. Yeah. Up to and the they were song. British, right? Yeah, it's a British band. They are British. Yeah. They're still around doing their thing. I think so, yeah. It was actually their seventh studio album, and it's called Out of the Blue in 1977. So that was the lead single off that. Would appear to be so, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Thanks for that. You're very welcome. Yeah, thank you. I didn't even know they were British. Well, how good. Yeah. Well, we 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 like to educate a little bit as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good choice for going to London. Yeah, totally. So let's talk a little bit more about your subject matter because for me that's what is really interesting about your work the way i interpret it is that it's a species that's interacting with man-made objects in like a human attribute whether it be a cell phone or pumping like a railway what was it called the one you've just made that machine i think it's called a hand car a hand car but that goes along the railways right yes and I've seen you do cars. Cell phone, tablets. Yeah. What's going on in your head as an artist? What are you trying to, what, what do you want the audience to learn from this? Well, there's different series. So there's different, it's not always the same theme. There's series of work. So I have, yeah, the monkeys interacting with technology. 
So they're on a tablet or they listen to an iPhone or like if they were running the subway, um, doing the same thing we do. So that was just a little, I guess it's just a hint to us saying that we're just animals, even if we say I, we're not. Us as in like humans, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's the theme of like when I use that kind of technology, that's the idea when I represent that. Uh, for the hand car, it was more like, you know, the movie, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. So it's a bunch of inmates that are going, trying to be free. And it's the, it's Ulysses Odyssey. How do you call that? How do you uh, call that? I know what you mean. I don't know. If Ulysses, Ulysses, Ulysses Odyssey. Ulysses yeah, Odyssey? Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of a parallel story, right? That's a metaphor of that same story. Right. So... There's a nice scene where they're on one of those cars, and so I put monkeys on it. I remade that scene pretty much, put monkeys on it, because they're going through a journey to try to survive. I guess something like that that I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm working it as I'm doing it. And right. every time I keep working on that series, I keep recreating another idea, but that talks to previous sculptures. Right. And that's how I work. And so when you're working on a series, do you... Is your series about a species or is it about the conversation you want the viewer to have with the art? It's not about the, sh the species. So it's really. about the conversation yeah. then between like mm -hmm. what you're seeing and understanding. So mm -hmm. if you're talking about reminding humans that they are part of this animal kingdom, then that's one series. Yes. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to be too literal. I feel like there's a lot of that already. We have okay. documentaries telling us, you know, explaining to us. We all know, we're very much aware that animals are going instinct. You know what? I don't agree with you. No? I don't think most people do know. I think that people understand that there are species that are threatened. But if you talk to people about extinction, people will say, oh, dinosaurs. Some might say the dodo. But beyond that, people don't comment on anything. And you don't think they know that no. tigers are dis I think that disappearing? They, or like yeah, every I think, zoo I is... think that they know tigers are, but I don't think that they're aware of the severity of no, yeah, all okay. of the species that no, are. No. And furthermore, I don't think they realise, because this is something that's been being discussed since pre eighty, probably the 70s when that last track was, probably even, even before, before that. that. So we're looking at like a long period of time we've been discussing um, endangered species and it's the same species, but they're still alive. So when you're talking about any level of endangerment, are we discussing the numbers and the death? Like if they had like 10 territories and now they've got three, that's not been discussed. True. Details so are the extension not being of the the extent of the endangerment is not. I don't think people have got any idea, and people have got definitely have got no idea that there are animals going extinct every day. Well, maybe. I assumed everybody knew. Mm. I guess I live in a bubble too. Clearly. Well, let's talk about that bubble because you talk. You, you, My Canadian bubble. Yeah. Tell me what. Well, that, yeah, talk about your Canadian bubble. I was going to talk about <laughs> podcasts, but now you're throwing me. Let's talk about the Canadian bubble. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, um, I guess, I don't know. What is my Canadian bubble? In well, Montreal, tell, people are tell us about, because we, we, I think in the media, we don't really, correct me if I'm wrong, Ads, but do you know much about Canada? I don't really um, know much about Canada. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't, I mean, it depends how much I, I I, I don't know. Like, you know it speaks French over there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, At least yeah, that's I know that. that. I know there's some amazing mountains. Uh, the no, Rocky that's Mountains. in the West. See, that's yeah, the So Canada, my geography of Canada know. probably isn't amazing. Like, same with America. Same with, you know, you know like, I'm not like, okay, that's that's there and that's there. Right. But I know that, yeah, I you find that probably, when you, when I don't know much. No, I thinking find about that, it. Uh, when, when I think about people I'm having conversations with about Canada and you, correct me if I'm wrong because you probably get the same thing but people will talk about stuff that's relevant to America or the states I guess yeah well and so what's the for you what's like a, a key this makes us Canadian and we're a completely different country like if someone said to us oh yeah Europe it's like well Europe's huge like we're from England we're no we're a completely different set of politics and so on as it is in France and in Holland and so on so what's what's going on in what's going on in the Canadian bubble what politically what's well, going on like environmentally we're people have like such a good image of Canada I find and they're missing the big picture we're terrible we're actually like the people that have the biggest footprint in the world by person you know per capita so 
in a total, we're only 35 million, I think. So it's nothing. But me, as a Canadian, I have, like, statistically, I have a bigger footprint, like carbon footprint than you guys do. Why is that? Because we heat our houses. I mean, it's a pretty extreme temperature-wise. We um, also use AC. We all have um, pools. We, it's a big country, so we travel by car. There's no good transportation, like in Europe. So we're bad. And then after the... Now we have... Now our prime minister is cool, Justin. He's very handsome. Did you know that? Yeah, you were saying that. that he was <laughs> voted like the most handsome... Yeah. Yeah, the most handsome prime minister or leader in the world. So very proud. But Thumbs up, Canada. <laughs> despite that, I mean, we had... Before that, we had for 10 years, we had Stephen Harper. And you know, in Canada, we don't have like a maximum term limit. So you can be prime minister for 15 years, oh, as wow. Jean Chrétien was. So um, Stephen Harper was the prime minister for 10 years. And he's the one that made the whole tar sand thing. He created an, an The whole what thing? Tar sand. Creating the What's tar that? sand. It's making oil out of sand. Now, I'm not a scientist. like I can't really explain it. But it pretty much costs as much money making... like. It's it's a way to make oil that's not absolutely not um, good. Like it's really bad environmentally, but it's also like economically, it's not really good. It almost costs as much to make a barrel than to sell it. But uh -huh. at least it made Canada and America together, because America makes a lot of, of oil too, um, independent from the Middle East. Right. But it's a dis an environmental disaster. Have you heard of like the fires? in uh, Fort, don't remember the name, no, in the no. Western Canada. It's bad. The whole village caught fire. That's because of the when tar that? sand last year. Okay. And now that in Calgary, that created like um, kind of economically, it made them really rich. And that was good. You know, people went there to work. The houses got value. Everything became more expensive and people were thriving. So, you know, we always a thumbs up for that. But now apparently like... Half of the exploitation stopped because the the cost of the oil went down. So like it's not worth it to create more oil. So like the industry is like just barely making it. People have lost money. People have lost their house. Like it's bad. It's, it was right. just like not forward thinking, not forward looking, and putting us at the same level as Saudi Arabia and Kazakhstan in terms of environmental destruction in the world. The three worst country environment. Uh, like environmentally wise is Saudi Arabia, Kazakhstan, and Canada. Wow. Yeah. Damn, I did not know that. Uh-huh. Canada's did you terrible know that? No. environmentally. So no, I get we, we, we get painted this picture of like grizzly bears yeah. walking over mountains with snow snow everywhere and everyone yeah. That's, right? I mean, uh, to be honest, like I'm not somebody who really watches a lot of the news and things like that, but even when I did, I didn't really see much about Canada. Right. Generally, I just see it looking beautiful. Yeah, um, that but that's probably image. yeah, and but that's probably my ignorance as well. But and don't I'd, get me started on the ocean. The way we fish, yeah. our coasts. Well, I, I can imagine. Ask you about that I as can well. imagine. I mean, um, I don't know that much. I didn't make. I didn't like research that much, but I do know that it's just horrible. Well, you're big fishers. Like, there's big a lot of fishing industry in Canada, right? Yeah. I mean, which is the biggest fishing industry in the world, isn't it? Canada, Japan, and Norway. I don't know. I, all I know is that we fish like crazy. Yeah, you got. We send it all to the U.S. They can it. They sell it back to us. Okay. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't eat much fish. I do, but don't. I don't know. We won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Have lakes. you done a fish yet? A cardboard fish. I. Oh, did one for have me. Have one. Yeah, yeah, I made one for you. <laughs> Now I'm making shells. Okay. And I'm going to start making corals. Oh, nice. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, my next projects is going to be like, uh, I'm going to make these cars that are taken over by coral. Oh, sick. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think I have to approach the ocean. To be fair, if I didn't do a lot of whales and uh, like ocean mammals and stuff like that, it was just for a ridiculous reason. Like, because technically they're not so challenging. Right. They're like big tubes. And I was like, eh, boring. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna still make them. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna work on it. How would you? Uh, because like obviously the animals I've seen you do have all got standing ability, so they they support themselves. Whereas a whale, 
like he should be floating floating so how are you going to deal with that are you going to have it on a stand or i don't know yet let's figure it out i'll figure it out i mean either put them against the that'd be amazing if they were suspended oh. from the ceiling and actually yeah. worth or suspended or like it's very light material so it's easy yeah. to suspend i don't know why it didn't suspend so far yeah i should have done it like years ago damn next next <laughs> next project should we um should we get into another track why not should we go with you you ready should we go with you should we go who would you like to hear a track from lawrence me or adam um adam adam all right cool it up do you want me to talk about the track now yeah look what you got yeah all right well it's a seven inch and it is a track that i originally produced with jago so i go into the name of hailu when I make music and I made this with a friend of mine called Jago and that's how Louie and I know each other. And it's featuring a vocalist called Kosha and it's a ghostwriter's remix. So it's a reggae remix of a jungle tune I made. Nice. Um, and it got licensed by Lion Vibes, which is a record shop in Brixton. You should definitely go and check it out. I know that record shop. They speak yeah. very highly of the Unit 137. Yeah, Ben and Matt um, down there. Very linked in with the Jamaican scene and really, really nice um, guys. Go check them out. They'll help you with anything you need to find. And they help put that onto records. So oh, wicked. It's, um, I'm going to play you the dub, um, which is only available on vinyl. You can't buy it anywhere else and you can't listen to it anywhere else. Nice. Um, but the original remix is available and you can buy that, listen to that, Spotify, iTunes, blah, blah, blah. So let's stop talking and listen to some music. Let's do it. Don't die, die, die. 
Laurence, and you're listening to All Fruits Ripe. So we were just having a nice little chat there about the actual way that that track was made, Ads. Could you, can you relay it and explain to the listeners how, because that was really fascinating, how you were saying that that track was a one-time recording, done, finished. You didn't do any editing on it. That was it, finished. Yeah, so basically Ghostwriters, Harry, Sleepy Time Ghost, made a remix of my track that I made with Jago, which is a jungle track, and he made a reggae track. He recorded musicians, so he recorded a drummer, he recorded a bass player, recorded a guitarist, recorded, and he played a bit of guitar himself, he played organ, then we got a horn player in, new horn line, took the original vocal from the jungle tune, and he made his remix. But then what we did is we took all of those elements brought it back in the studio, got a load of like delay units, reverb units, time-based effects and different things like the DJ mixer with, you know, reverbs and phasers and basically got very creative um, and lined up all the different elements, so drums, bass, guitar, all those what I mentioned, on a mixer, a real mixer, and basically made what in our scene is called a dub and what that is is one-time recording so you'd record the output of the mixer and you'd move the faders you'd mute things you'd send delays and you'd make an original composition of that track it could be an original it could be whatever you want it to be and then that's it it's you being in that moment of three minutes or whatever however long the track is and just using the tools that you have around to create something interesting, to create something different. The good thing about doing it with two people is that you've got four hands, right? you know? So the whole time we're just moving around, one hand's going over the other, you know, we're just, it's very physical, mm. which I really like with, with making music because I make music on a computer, but I also play piano, I also DJ, I do lots of different things. I, I find when making something, when creating something, I really, I'm not at my best and I don't enjoy it as much when I'm using a mouse and going, oh yeah, move that there, move that there, blah, you know. It's, it's a really nice experience to actually be like part of it and, you know, moving and kind of standing up. Because when we made it as well, we're not sitting down, we're standing up, you know, we're sort of getting physical. And then, like I said, you know, we were fortunate enough for somebody to press that on vinyl and distribute it for us worldwide. I have a question. Yeah. Um, when you create that, do you have an understanding with the people you're creating it together? Did you Do you say, oh, we want to have that type of thing or you just go with the flow? What if when, you don't like what they're going to do? When we made the... Sorry, for the um, do you mean the vinyl or the... Well, when you're creating that song... When you're making you're the dub. Making, when you're making the dub. Do you mean like when... Sorry, when, when we're doing that... Do we have an intention of what we want to yeah. get to? Mm -hmm. Nah, not really. Nah, there isn't really an intention. The intention to, for, for me was the writing of the song. So it would have been like, what what were the lyrics talking about? Or, you know, when we're writing chord progressions, we we chose those. That's what we wanted. The dub is more where you, you, you just, I don't know, you let, for me anyway, I don't know, it might be different for other producers, but it's about letting go and just sort of being experimental but being experimental with a little bit of structure that you've already made before, if you know what I mean. So it'd be okay. like if you've made a finished piece of artwork, then you just mash it up sort of thing. I, and you, you I rarely work with other people. That, that's what's so um, impressive, I think. Well, surprising to me. When you compose with someone else, like even when I make sculpture, I don't compose with someone else. Very rare. Yeah. So when you put two minds in those three minutes to yeah, produce yeah. something? I don't know. <laughs> no, but it, 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 can, it can be, yeah, it can be pretty amazing. I mean, you know, I collaborate with a lot of people. I also make music by myself. Um, but I don't know, there's, a connect, there's definitely a connection between me and Harry. Like when we get together, we've got different skills. So I've got a certain amount of skills in maybe one side, he's got something in another. So when we combine, yeah, something Magic something happens. cool happens and, mm. you know, it's nice. That's yeah. a really cool track as well. I love it. But that was interesting. You were just saying that you don't work with someone, but you have an assistant, right? Yes. So okay. how does that work? Because, I mean, you guys were sharing my studio a couple of days ago and it was really interesting. I was like, 
I, I need an assistant. Sometimes I really could do with an assistant, but what would I trust them to do? I'm like, yeah. How, I'm, how does that work? Do you freak out sometimes? Oh like, yeah, of course. But I don't freak out on her. I right. Mean, that's the thing with assistants. They have feelings. Of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> Get back in there. <laughs> you have to treat them with lots of respect. They have egos too, just like artists. But I mean, I don't have to, uh, account for her ideas she really is an assistant like so i give her what to do i tell her exactly what to do and right. she does it she has like the tasks that i kind of don't want to do like cutting the cardboard filling up she does a lot of filling right uh, works the same way with sculpture than with painting you know like the long part that you don't need i don't need to do it i create i make the structure yeah she fills it up so that saves so much time and uh in exchange well it's kind of fun to do so that's and I guess you've taught her a lot as well, right? Because yeah. she's a cardboard artist herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I had to. That's why I want to keep. I want to keep her, because it takes a while to like um, train someone, I guess, to do. Because she had to relearn how to work with cardboard. Because I, like, I don't want to see her her hand in it, right? And she doesn't want to see her hand in it too. So I had to train her to do it the way I want. And uh, and then we get along, too, which is kind of hard, like with other people. Cause when you start traveling with someone and I mostly need her when we travel, like we work together in Montreal, too, like in the studio. But mm. like she's like she's very I really need her when I travel because that's when like time is really scarce and we share a room where we, you know, we travel together, which can be tricky with some people. I mean, I've gotten in fights with friends. Mm. What, because we were always together traveling under those like stressful and with her I mean we just really get along and so 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 that's important in an assistant yeah but you're a good team like the sculptures look beautiful amazing yeah they're okay yeah <laughs> you're just an artist I I do the same thing with my work oh I have a yeah. hard time I do the same with all of I yeah. see little things and yeah I pretty much finish when I can no longer look at it. All the or my planes back flying too you home. Much. <laughs> planes <laughs> flying me home. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit about some of the other projects that you've been working on this year. Because you were just in Korea, if I'm not mistaken, doing yeah. something with Pow Wow. Pow Wow Korea. Yeah. And you did a hippo, right? I did. Never seen you do a hippo. Yeah? It looked amazing. Neither. That was my first hippo. Yeah. They're amazing animals. Uh, there was a piece called Symbiosis, okay. and I wanted to talk about um, how um, the hippo and the those little birds called ho a hawkspecker, hawkspecker, yeah. I think, they live in symbiosis. So like the the bird eats bacteria's in on top of the hippo, and in exchange, the hippo kind of gives them shelter because he's so big, no one's gonna bother bother uh, the bird on top of a hippo. And it was a bit of a, a hint at um, South Korea in America. Right, okay. America's relationship, you yeah. know, like they both, I mean, Korea needs America. America's kind of the hippo, I guess, like the big guy. But at the same time, South Korea offers America like um, a foot, like a, a place to, to start, with, you know, to keep an eye on, on Asia and on North Korea and and so on and so on. But I didn't want to make something that was about North Korea or about war or about... It's it's too much. It's too on the nose. Right. That's why I used the hippo and the Something bird. subtle. Yeah, something subtle. I mean, they have that... They live with North Korea just besides them. They don't want to talk about it constantly. You know, right. they don't feel the need like we do with CNN yelling at us. There's a lot of species that live like that. I guess you'll find that happening when you're doing your work in the coral as well because a lot of coral species need other species like um the clownfish do you know that story no oh he's cool so you know what the clownfish is right of course he lives in the sea anemone and the the clownfish is like a sea anemone should sting it and kill it but they've got like a, a relationship an understanding yeah where the clownfish can live inside the sea anemone and then this, both of them benefit from each other Oh. And yeah, it's that's like another example of it. Adorable. Yeah, very cool. So is that like another whole series for you then? That relationship between 
are two animals. Yeah. Or is that was that the first one? The hippo? That was the first one like that. Right. Um, we'll see what happened. Like I, as I go along, like I read more about it, and then I learn something, and right. then I uh, get a new idea, and and so on and so on. Like the coral, but when I'll work on it, like I'll start reading about it, and and I'll know more. And, and so, do you do research on a species? Like, how do you? Because your species are so, they feel so real. Like crazy real. How do you learn about that animal? Do you do research into it? Do you watch documentaries? You make little guys first as well, right? Yeah, I make all my sculptures in ceramics before. Or I used to. Now I don't need it as much. Because I'm getting used to sculpting um, monkeys and animals. And I'm, I'm um, familiar with their anatomy. But I studied in ceramics, actually. So before I do everything in cardboard, usually I make it in ceramics and clay before. So I decide if I like mm. if I like the sculpture that way. I make my research, and then I'm ready to do a big, a big guy. I don't make extensive research on them first. Yeah. I don't know why, but as I work on it, I get to look at images, and 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 research came by itself. And then I I worked in a zoo. Oh, you did? Yeah. Like, I did a, this really cool project in Philly where right. I made a gorilla at the gorilla compound. So so I hung out with Matuba for two weeks. Is Matuba. that the name of the gorilla? Yeah. Matuba. It's a 450-pound gorilla, male gorilla. Wow. How close were you with him? Um, so they didn't let me go see him backstage, like, behind the bars. but. Right. Um, we hung out for two weeks. Like wow. he knew me at the end. Huh. Like they, they really look at what you do, which was really cool. Like he would sit there and watch what I was doing. Do you think he recognized that you were making I don't, something that looked I like you? I don't think so. Because for the longest time, it doesn't didn't look like anything. I mean, that's the funny part with sculpture. It looks like nothing until it looks like something. So the right. poor guy couldn't know if I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> but by the time it comes to the end... Like for instance, Jasmine. Like it's Jasmine was looking at your sculptures. Jasmine's my dog, listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she would look at your sculptures, and she knows that it's got a formation. I know that she does because if I bring something in, like if I brought a cardboard box into the room, she doesn't do nothing about it. Now, your sculpture was made of cardboard, and it had the look of the body of an animal. Whether she could work out it was a gorilla or a chimp or whatever it was. But she had an understanding of it and she went over and she started barking at it because it doesn't have a smell. So she's um, she's misguided by it. Well, the gorilla I made was really big. It was about three meters high. Oh, wow. So I don't know if Matuba, from his point of view behind the glass, could really make a gorilla out of that. Right. Because it was so big. I don't know if he was that curious about it either. I think what was fun for him if it was any fun, was that because I was working in front of his, uh, part of his um, enclosure, there was like ribbons to not let people come bother me, like the zoo visitors. So that would leave parts of his um, cage, I guess, or part of parts of his window free of people. Oh. So for, like he usually sees about... A sea of people. A sea of people, like faces in front of him all day that he there's so many people like he can't make anyone you know he can't he knows there's people but he doesn't pay attention to it after a while because it's there's so many people but now half of his cage now there was no one so you could see you could see farther right so i think that's why he would stand there and look just because it was different and he could you could see the room for right. once instead of having like 300 eyeballs on him. Wow, poor guy. How do you feel about zoos? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Zoos don't have, they, they don't have species, animals taken from the wild anymore. So Matubo or, and every other gorilla are born in zoos. He doesn't know anything else. And his life is much easier than in the wild and since gorillas like most big animals on the planet are going instinct 
we need to preserve them. And now zoos are, for example, Matuba came from another zoo. He was brought in to meet his two wives, Kayla and Honey. Um, so he was a pretty happy gorilla. I mean, he, he now ha is a proud fa father. <laughs> he had a baby since then. Uh, he has his girls. And in the wild, he would be dead, maybe. I feel like there's going to be a moment where there's going to be no more gorillas. Mm. Only the ones in zoos. And maybe, if you're very hopeful, maybe one day we sort our problems out and we can reintroduce those species out there. I mean, I don't know, but... Yeah, but then they've got to be totally retrained about how to live because that's the part of the problem. But if we, manage to, if, if we manage to retrain orangutan, we can retrain... That's gorillas. True. I mean, it's hard, but it's doable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. It's not great. You've done orangutans as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Those, I got to see them for real. Like, I oh, went wow. in Sweden. They took me in the backstage, yeah. I guess. I got to feed them grapes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, have you. So, you've talked about doing projects with like powwow and monica like it's all very art orientated and you've done works with zoos which i guess it's commissions and so on but have you had the opportunity yet to use travel as a way in which to find those species in the wild like have you been offered to go through an african country yet or into no. indonesian land or i can't wait though but i know i think i have to organize it myself yeah at this point and it, so that's something you, you do really want to do? I would love to do that. I think I'm ready for that now, yeah. too. Cause and what, what do you feel you as an artist benefit from it? And what do you feel like the production of it will, like, I guess, the community? Because they, they become a community piece, right? Yeah, I mean, it has to be really well planned out, I think. Because if you go in one of those countries, you don't want to be mooching off of like the generosity of those right. people so when you if you come in it's to produce something to give right and then same thing with the animals you don't want to go there to bother them also you know for your own pleasure mm -hmm. so i've read a bit about environmental tourism well n not environmental but tourism to go help the animals but it's not like they really need you to feed orangutan they could use you to scrape the poop off the floor but <laughs> no what they need you for is the financial flow to they need your provide, money yeah because then you're providing the community with an alternative yeah. understanding of what that species means to them they actually don't need your presence they need your money right so it's a fine balance to find something a way to do it that can i can provide money but i can also get um, inspiration from and get to see some of them without bothering them too much. Yeah. I don't know. I have to plan it out carefully, but I will. Yeah. I will. One day. Hopefully soon. Yeah, yeah, totally. Hmm. Should we um, should play a nice track? Yeah. I've got... Uh, actually, it's one of my favorite songs, actually, and I totally didn't think about it until, like, literally the last minute. Do you know Monkey Man by Toots and the Maytals? No. Okay. Have you heard of Toots and the Maytals? No. They're like... Um, if you're thinking of like big reggae artists like Bob Marley and Gregory Isaac, Dennis Brown, Toots and the Maytals absolutely categorically are the biggest alongside those kind of acts. But they were they went through a few different genres, much like Bob Marley. They went through reggae and then they went through ska and so on and so forth. But this is kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like that fusion stage where they're not really quite roots reggae, but they're not really quite ska. How would you describe it? It kind of feels like it's in between those two lands. Yeah, I mean, Monkey Man is very scar, yeah. in my opinion. And I think it opened up, uh, well, it was a big track in the UK. Yeah. You know, I've got the seven inch. Yeah. Yeah. He's still performing toots, isn't he? Yeah, my gosh. And he's got so much energy. Have you seen him live? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Amazing. It's good to see that he's still going. Well, should we spin it? Yeah.
so that's been a tune in my record box collection for a long time. Like I saw Toots play live, like I said, but Monkey Man was probably the first Toots track I ever actually listened to. Same. Yeah, my dad gave me his seven inch. Nice. I've got that with writing on it. <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> that's name. what people used to do. Yeah. yeah. Wicked. Yeah, I've got a few records like that, and they're usually the 45s, and they've got someone's name in it. I'm like, yeah. Name, what's it's my tune. It's my tune now. Yeah. <laughs> but we were just talking, Laurence, about your sort of how you grew up with music, and you were saying that your mum used to listen to the radio a lot. Yeah, there's, there was not much music when I grew up. I have an uncle that's musician, but I mean, music was not part of my life. My mom didn't know who Pink Floyd was. Like, really? She, yes, and that really isn't her thing. And now I realize that as I grew up, like, I don't listen to so much music. I listen to podcasts. Right. So I do have the same type of holes in my music knowledge. Sometimes people are like, oh, you do know that, right? And I'm like, no, no, I just, I don't. Never Sorry, heard guys. Of it. <laughs> I never heard of it, but I can explain to you, you know, the whole, the whole history of the five crusades. Yeah. Because that's what I listen to all day. The history of the crusades or, um... How long have you been listening to podcasts for? Uh, I think it's been, now it's been one year nonstop. Okay. Um, and where do you usually get them from? Where Stitcher. usually? Stitcher. I, yeah, a whole year. But before that, I listened to the radio. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, we're, we get, we're kind of newbies to the podcast. And I, I yeah, me we're especially. Throwing, we're throwing ourselves in in the deep end making one. But... It's so good. When you work with your hands all day, yeah. music gets old, you know? Like, you, you listen to your tracks, and after a while, you're like, eh, you get tired. Where when you have someone talking to you and, like, explaining something fascinating to you, it's just, it's a whole new world. Right. You learn so much as you're making art all day. This is the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah, we, I was saying before you arrived how... I don't have a lot, generally I don't have a lot of time, but I'd like to listen to more podcasts, but it, I can't because my work is re- revolved around yeah, listening to music. Listening to so, music. Yeah, I end up listening to a lot of music. And then I was saying I try and listen to podcasts when I'm doing admin, but that no, just doesn't no, work. you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you start realising you're... Yeah. Wow! Writing what you're listening to. Yeah. No, that, that's not. Well, you just don't get any say. admin done. That's all yeah. that happens. And you just sit there listening to loads of podcasts, and then you're like, "Oh, I didn't get anything done." Well, I mean, with time, you you <laughs> could get used to it. I mean, now that I always have a podcast on, I actually manage to read just like short lines, but real quick. Like when I get a message, I can read and text and have a conversation while I'm listening to a podcast. That's yeah, really good. That's a skill, man. That is a skill. <laughs> <laughs> forget forget the making the sculptures thing. Laurence knows how to do yeah. a podcast, the ne- answer a text, and have a conversation. The next yeah. level of multi-text. Next level right? shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's next? I am going to Hull. Okay, what's going on there? Um, uh, we'll make a, an installation. We'll make big um, elephants. Where, where are you going again? Hull. Hull, as in the UK. Hull. Oh, Hull. Okay. Yeah. Did okay. you know we have a hall in Canada too? I didn't. No, I do know. You'd it's more. more you don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Just like you don't want to go to Hull in England. Oh, no, don't say that. No, don't say that. You're about that's to put on a show there. That. That's wrong. That's wrong. That was a joke. That's a joke, guys. Fortunately, this podcast comes out after you yeah, after show, you'll be so. back in Canada. So they're just right. never going to invite you back. Don't worry here. about it. Well, I mean, Laurence scratch that one off. Something for Hall Canada. They'll be like. God damn it. You've never been. <laughs> How can you say that? So you're doing elephants. And yeah. what's, um, what's, what's it for? Is it an exhibition? It is uh, just an installation. To be honest, I don't really know what, what it's for. Right. Um, it's a commission. Okay. So I'll make these three big elephants inspired by uh, the ivory trade. Like I made a bunch of elephants before with rifles instead of their Love tusks. Love those pieces. Yeah, they're dope. Um, so I'm going to make some more of them along the same idea different guns different elephants some are asians some are africans but in the end it's the same kind of series and then after that i'm going to york for a show with the art of protest gallery 
and I haven't decided exactly everything I'm gonna make over there. But inspiration so how many, come you as need you do. Well, I guess if it's a show, like you're making a good number of pieces, right? Yeah, but part of the pieces have been shipped. Okay. So the smaller work the smaller is ones. being shipped to Europe, and then I make bigger work on site because it's harder to ship. And so I wanted to ask you about because there's two very different. There's another very different element to your work where you're using logos and brand understandings um why do you use that is it because you want to say something about the brands to the viewer or is it because it's a way in which the consumer can identify no. with the work or it came by itself like i use cardboard that i find usually right i don't need to buy cardboard i just go around and scavenge a little bit and find all i need to make my my pieces the surprising thing is that I can make giant pieces by not even leaving my street. Huh. There's enough cardboard, there's enough waste. Um, and the, the brands are just there, you know? So it's a comment on on the consumerism culture. Like, I'm not choosing them. They're just there. They're, 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 they're what people in that area consume. Hmm. It, it explains who, who my neighbors are. Um, I like the Nesquik bunny you did. Yeah, that one was cool. <laughs> it and, works uh, with next the Haribo gas mask. Yeah, I like that. That um, was in Germany because we don't have Haribo yeah, yeah, in yeah. Canada. There's a lot of Haribo in Germany. No, <laughs> no. So when I found it in in Germany, I was like, oh well, I'll use it. It's very German. Like uh, after Christmas, that's nice. I just walk around in my street. I'd huh. get like uh, Lego boxes and Barbie dolls boxes. Which is nice. great. And it's like, oh well. My neighbors have children or they have kids that are, you know, that age. Or this one has a lot of daughters. Yeah. Because there's tons of Barbies. I assume it's for little girls. <laughs> Could be for boys, too. Yeah. Um, Action man. And then I made a bunch of babies with them. Like, it's very... It gives me a lot of inspiration. Um, always lots of Coca-Cola available. It's crazy how much... How Coca-Cola is um, popular. Hmm. And the branding of it too. Yeah. People love Coca-Cola. Yeah, and that that logo's been bastardized so many times. And very cleverly at times, but it's been used again and again. It's like Disney. I'm using Disney too. Yeah. I made um Yeah, I saw Mickey you making masks. And I put in their faces, I put the logos of the brands I find because they explain so well the consumerism culture, right? Like the brands do or the Disney? Uh, both, both together right i mean disney well i started with the disney piece when i was in south korea the first time i went it was a demand uh from a client of mine it was kind of a commission and she she wanted a disney she wanted a mickey mouse head and i said all right whatever and then when i went to south korea i realized that it's very very americanized so i used korean brands and i made a disney piece with that and I thought that really talked to the relationship again between the Western and the Eastern world. Because it's a very different approach, isn't it? Like, okay, it's an animal still, but it's, it's like a glamorized cartoon of an animal as opposed to like when you see your gorillas or your hippos. Yeah, it was very, kind of a stretch when I did it. Yeah, but it kind of works, but how do you feel your audience differ do you i think it, i mean the cartoon itself is very round and he's very organic so it worked like we're on the podcast obviously so i can't show pictures as i'm talking but my what's interesting with my sculpture i think or what people are impressed when they look at it is the fact that i use cardboard but it's all round right it's all curvy People are asking me if I wet the cardboard, like, how did I get that shape? How did I make muscles? And it's just by bending the cardboard. But, like, the cartoons I make, because I make Donald Ducks also, and they're also very round form. They're easy to make. They're attractive. And they, I can make them having the same, like, using the same method as I'm making gorillas or hippos. Yeah, no, they're cool. So, we're getting to the end of, of an hour, so we've got one more track to play, which is the remix. It's by Common, and it's... Oh, I know Common. Yeah, you know Common. Yeah, Good there for you go. me. 
Yeah. At least I know that. We know something. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's the remix, and the track is is consecutively... The, 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 the track is inside... Your original track is inside the remix of it, and I'm just looking for the information here. The track's called Blue Sky, so it's even using the same title. Interestingly enough, this album also, I read, was... Yeah, was his seventh release. Hmm. So both artists, like... This album was their seventh release. Uh, I think this came out in 2011. So, yeah, should we play it? Before we put the track on, um, I'd just like to say thanks for coming down and giving us your time and getting involved with our podcast series. Thank you, guys. Yeah. It's the first podcast I'm part of. Yeah. Very happy. <laughs> thanks for coming. Being a big consumer of, of podcasting, <laughs> I was very excited. Yeah, and it's really refreshing, you know. Um, everyone who comes in, it's always really refreshing to sort of see what they're up to and just, yeah, checking out your stuff is great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks to all the listeners. Let's listen to some music. See you next time. Dreams. The young Denzel, the way I move through scenes I'm like a preacher that once was a fiend A story of change that came with wings Pretty is the skyline, the sky is my eyeline Son of the most, so from up high, I shine Suited in Prada, stay mellow like Lala Young fresh with dollars, ladies go gaga I'm the cum laude, top of the class Black Wall Street, so my stock will never crash Giving what I ask, pure religion and cash For the windows that open, I'm raising my glass Daylight beams, nightlife schemes This is my inception, I'm writing my dreams Immortal view of a star doing what I'm born to do I see the blue sky, say the Lord's coming through Started with a dream. I wanted to be run DMC. The Lord put the blessing upon DMC. O to the M, dreams were spoken to him. That's when I knew my flows would overflow to the rim. Open my eyes. Yes, sir, this is what I made for. To go hard in the paint like D Wade or D Rose from the same streets that we rose. International heroes at World Primos. Red cop and magic taking pictures with the president. Total for healthcare. My music is the medicine. My name holds weight. I am never hesitant. Different states. Resident. This is her elegance, SLS classic, pursuing my passion, known for fashion, now Oscar party crashing, immortal view of a star doing what I'm born to do, I see the blue sky, say the Lord's coming through, coming through, coming through, coming through.
You've been listening to the All Fruits Right podcast with myself, Hailu, DJ, producer, engineer, and founder of Unit 137 Sound System, and visual artist Louis Masai. We need your help. If you have enjoyed this All Fruits Right podcast, please share it far and wide. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Mixcloud, and check out our Instagram account, All Fruits Right Podcast. Until next time.